Going Linux, episode 298. Listener feedback. Welcome to the Going Linux podcast. I'm your host, Larry Bushy. And I'm your co-host, Bill. Whether you're new to Linux, upgrading from Windows to Linux, or just thinking about moving to Linux, this podcast will provide you with valuable information and advice that will help you in Going Linux. We hope that you'll find this and all of our episodes helpful in learning about Linux and its applications and using them to get things done. If you want, you can send us feedback at our email address, which is goinglinux at gmail.com, or our voicemail is 1-904-468-7889. In today's episode, listener feedback. Hey, Bill. Hello, Larry. How are you? All right. It's been a little while since we recorded. We've had a website outage. We've had a few things go on in our lives that have prevented us from recording, but we're back behind the microphones, and you sound extremely clear. It's called a new mic. <laughs> ah, there you go. Well, congratulations on the new mic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I like it a lot. I actually stopped buying those $10 mics and actually spent a little money on one. Amazing. the a difference. Mm -hmm. um, but, you know, we should really tell the listeners why we were down, and that was because why you weren't looking. I snuck into the Going Link studio and rewired everything. <laughs> Is that what happened? <laughs> and then no. ran. Yeah. So, you know, actually, I wanted a couple weeks off, so I figured if I would rewire everything, then... It would take me would, a while uh, to fix it. Yeah. You, you would take yeah. a while to fix it, so, you know, I... I I, I maybe thought the sledgehammer and axe were a little bit overboard, but hey, I did get my two weeks. <laughs> yeah, rewiring with an axe. That's the way to go. Yeah, seriously, though, our website was down uh, for a little bit. Our, our web host, uh, Site5, um, they, I guess, had a change of ownership, and they changed servers, and our DNS records weren't syncing up, and it took me a little while to realize that our site was down. Because I'm not on there every other hour, you know. So uh, anyway, <laughs> it took a little while for them to get things sorted out. But once we did, they, they were very courteous. They were very quick and very helpful. So I gave them some kudos on our Google Plus page. Well, how long did it take them to fix it? Um, well, it takes some time for the DNS records to sync up. So most of the time was waiting for the DNS records. <laughs> uh, it, it, it took them two tries or three tries. If you include the, the actual switch over to the new server. And, uh, -huh. uh well, I think for every hour that you were down, you should get a free year. <laughs> I'm sure they would agree, Bill. I'm sure they would agree. <laughs> okay. Well, great. <laughs> hey, listen, uh, a couple of things, you know, I'd like to update you on, first of all, um, Every once in a while, we're asked to do an episode on virtual machines. Uh, but rather than us do this, I'm going to recommend something by a friend of the show, Lord Drakenblut. He's done a much better job covering that topic than we could. And um, just check out his episode uh, and the documentation links on his site, openfosstraining.com. Does a great job there, some videos, some explanation. Nice, crisp, clear, and simple to follow. Cool. Yeah, absolutely. Let's, let someone else do the work. We'll just, we'll just send it over there and take the credit. Uh, yeah, sure. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and, and one, one other thing, um, you're the distro hopper of the two of us, but I actually hopped distros. I'm no longer on Linux Mint. I'm officially now on Ubuntu Mate and I've made the switch and it's helped me to get 40% more battery life just by switching distros. Okay. First off, um, I'm having a hard time processing this. What do you... <laughs> You mean, you're no longer on Linux Mint? That's well, right. Well, I'm happy, but I'm sitting there going, what? Is the world still spinning? No, yeah. seriously, that's great. You got 40% more battery life. Wow. Yeah, and so Martin Winpress says it's not because of anything inherent in Ubuntu Mate itself. It's because 
the Ubuntu Mate distribution comes with a utility called TLP installed and configured by default. And TLP is an advanced power management settings utility. It's command line, uh, but since it's configured by default, there's nothing for you to do. But it's nice that Martin puts that in there and configures it for you so that uh, it does things like improve your battery life. I think it's great. <laughs> Imagine that, a power manager that actually manages the power. Yeah, you'd think That's they'd great. build that into the kernel, but hey, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> hey, what? come on now. You, you're asking too much, you know? Come yeah, on. maybe so. Well, not everyone has a laptop, I guess. But uh, well, well, there's a lot of stuff that is... In the kernel that it's not for laptops, too. Yeah, that's true. So, that's I mean, true. come on, you know. So, put it in the kernel. People will be very happy. Yeah, so, having said that, TLP is a utility that I tried many moons ago, and it worked back then. Uh, it's improved, I guess, some since then. Uh, since it's command line and it works automatically in behind the scenes, it's, you know, once you've got it configured, you kind of forget about it. But I used it in my early days of using Linux and was quite impressed with it. And it's got some nice settings for ThinkPad computers, which is what I was using back then. And that's one okay. of the reasons I used it. But for those folks who are using distributions other than Ubuntu Mate, it's probably available in your software repositories for your distribution and if you've got a laptop and you'd like to improve your battery life give it a try and it might just work for you like it worked for me i went from like three and a half hours of battery life on my uh, galago ultra pro from system 76 and i now get over five hours of battery life wow that's yeah. pretty impressive. And just so we uh, system 76 knows yes we are not above taking free computers <laughs> Especially for Bill. <laughs> hey, I'm just putting that out there. You would you like to get your System 76 named every episode? Just send me a creepy. No, seriously. Well, that's great. Yeah, and that's under normal usage. Yeah, just normal usage. Um, and you know, normal usage for me is the System 76 screen on this particular laptop is extremely bright. So I I tone it down. You know, I I turn down the brightness partially because I don't need it that bright and partially because three and a half hours was just on the bare edge of what I needed it for for what I do when I'm operating on a battery so I turned it down to extend the battery life and so I'm still running it on that 30% setting uh, and you know I maybe don't need it that low but mm -hmm. I don't need it any higher either so I've left it on that and that's the only power saving setting that I've changed other than, you know, uh, suspend and hibernate and those sorts of things. Uh, but I'm talking about five hours of continuous usage and that's with Bluetooth turned on. That's with Wi-Fi turned on and the screen turned on. Those are the, probably the three most power consuming features of the software that I'm using and five hours plus in some that's, cases. That's getting up near the uh, Chromebook area. Yeah, it is. It is. So TLP certainly works for me. Well, awesome. So what do we got now? Let's get into our email. All right. Why don't you go first? Okay, I'll do that. Pierre wrote with some information on Puppy Linux. Hi, Larry and Bill. I've been enjoying listening to your show for two years. I've been running Linux on three machines that formerly were running Windows XP. Your recent show that dealt with choosing a Linux distribution for an older computer reminded me of one of your past shows entitled 275 Lightweight Linux Distributions Revisited. I was a bit disappointed about how Puppy Linux was panned. You expressed concerns about Puppy running as root and then dismissed it as being insecure. I got the feeling that your conclusion was not fully informed. Ironic us not fully informed? Never. <laughs> <laughs> We're always informed. Hey, I studied the show notes five minutes before we start recording. What more do you guys want? <laughs> Continuing with the email, ironically, I first became aware of Puppy Linux through a recommendation from Krebs on security, and we've got a link in the show notes to that. When you get a chance, perhaps you can visit the resources below and get a broader understanding of Puppy Linux. 
2014 Southeast Linux Fest JT Pennington Puppy Linux Deconstructed. And we'll have a link to that video. This is a presentation given by one of the developers of Puppy Linux. You probably don't have time to review the whole presentation, so there are some time indices approximate that discuss some of the security-oriented topics. At 17 minutes in, discussion of the file system. 25 minutes in, the single user model. 35 minutes in, running as root. For a spirited discussion on running as root, uh, another link. Yes, Puppy is probably not for everyone, but if you want speed, it screams since it runs out of RAM for doing certain geeky tasks on older hardware like compiling or doing digital signal processing with pure data, it's hard to beat. Thanks for the great show, Pierre. Okay, I I, mean, I don't I can't remember exactly what we said on in 275, but I think it might have been along the lines of Bill should never run a computer in root because he's a moron and will start messing things up. I'm sure that was somewhere <laughs> in that. Uh I don't know. I, I try not to run as root, but then again, I've been spoiled because you know I, I use the uh, most mostly Ubuntu or Ubuntu derivatives, so I've gotten used to that security model. But it just seems like running as root would just be inherently dangerous for me, anyway. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, we'll definitely watch that video and take a look at the other links that you've provided Pierre and maybe we can be a little more informed on puppy and I'm still nervous about running as root but uh, we'll we'll take a listen see if this changes our mind and report back heck Larry I can break a computer without root I don't need an additional <laughs> help <laughs> you and me both our next email comes from Pedro and he asks whether to get a Chromebook or a used laptop. And he writes, Dear Larry or Bill, greetings from Venezuela. Hey, dude, I'm Venezuela. Cool. Uh, we truly have a lot of different listeners in different countries. Mm. Yes, we do. I started listening to your show in the late months of 2015, and I've been a fan ever since. I've been a Linux convert for over eight years, having used Red Hat, CentOS, and finally settling with Ubuntu, although elementary looks nice. I'm a web developer, and today I'm writing to ask you both for your opinion on a Chromebook versus a laptop. I really enjoyed the show in 295, but I've read that you can also run Linux on a Chromebook. From what I read, the main thing is the processor, and if I'm not mistaken, the prices are pretty even. Thank you, and keep preaching Linux, Pedro. What do you think, Bill? Okay, I had a Chromebook, didn't like it, took it back. Larry has a Chromebook. He loves it. Yep. Uh, there's pros and cons to this argument. Uh, Chromebooks are a lot more compact, and I think they're mostly they're instant on. You don't have to wait for a laptop to spin up. I prefer a laptop just because that's that's me. But uh, I think for the right um, uses, uh, a Chromebook will will do everything that you want. Uh, I've heard of some Linuxes that will run on the Chromebook, but I I'm not quite sure about that. Larry would know more about that. But overall, I just, I mean, if you're just doing like word processing and watching YouTube videos and, and you know, some light word processing and stuff, yeah, I would say the Chromebook is exactly what you need. I don't think I'd want to do website design on it, but that's just me. What do you think, Larry? Yeah, so I did respond back to Pedro, and I kind of agree with your assessment there, uh, Bill. The Chromebook hardware is coming up to being a lot more parallel to a standard laptop. Um, that You can get Chromebooks that are just as large as some of the laptops, and... You know, so the hardware is becoming more parallel, I guess, with some of the lower to mid-end laptops. So if you want better performance, I'd go with a laptop than a Chromebook because the processors typically are a little lower in spec and some of the other specs are a little bit lower. And the Instant On applies for the Chrome operating system. Uh, they're pretty fast to start, but mm -hmm. if you install Linux on, directly on the hardware, and I haven't tried that to install Linux directly on the hardware, it's going to take a little while to boot up. Uh, and if you install it 
in the Kubuntu way, where you're actually running Linux on the Chrome operating system, uh, it's you're still going to have to wait for Linux to start up. So you really don't get any advantage that way. Uh, maybe it runs a little bit faster because of the stripped down hardware, but um, I think overall, since you were talking about used laptops versus Chromebooks, I'm thinking that budget is probably a concern. And for the price and for the performance, especially since you're a web developer, uh, my recommendation is get the best laptop, not Chromebook, but laptop you can get for your budget. And I've recommended that he take a look at uh, ThinkPads, if he's looking for something used that he can install Linux on directly, or maybe used Dell XPS 13, uh, or if you can get a, a used System 76. Mm -hmm. And I don't know what's available in Venezuela. You know, the, some of these brands may or may not be sold in Venezuela. So whatever the best computer, you know, computer specs are uh, for a used laptop is probably what we'd recommend. Yeah, just two thoughts on this. Uh, there's also another company, I think it's called Penguin Computing. They also do Linux uh, computers. And mm -hmm. I, last time I remember looking at it, it's been maybe half a year ago, and their prices were pr almost like used prices. So I don't know if that's an option. Um, but uh, my question to you, Larry, if you had to pick between a Chromebook or a tablet, uh, I would always pick a tablet because I use a tablet almost every day. What would you pick? You know, I have a tablet and I use it rarely. Really? Uh, yeah, so I picked a Chromebook mainly because <laughs> of my usage patterns, but it's really personal preference. Yeah. Uh, I think that with the the latest developments from Ubuntu on the a tablet interface that they're working on, the phone interface, my mind could be changed on that, but not at this point. It's not production ready yet. And maybe someday in the future it will be. But for now, I'm sticking with the, the laptop computer format. When I had the Chromebook, it was, uh, and I had it for a couple of weeks, I just, it just seemed like it was more hassle to me. Because I always, you know, I would carry it with me everywhere I went. And I, and I carry my tablet with me everywhere I go. And I just find that the tablet's just easier for me. Now, I'm not going to design any websites on it, of course, mm -hmm. but, you know, for just quick emails, you know, YouTube videos, uh, surfing the web, I, I kind of like just having a small, slim thing I can fit in a bag or hold my hand and, just, and it, you know, unless you really look for it, you really can't tell when it's in this case that it's anything but, you know, you know, it looks like a book. So, you know, it's it seems like it's just easier for me, but hey, that's just me. I, I, I kind of agree with you. Buy the best used computer you can. Lenovo, uh, you cannot go wrong, especially if you get the ThinkPads because they're built like Mack trucks and you can uh, stop an assassin with them and, and still <laughs> do your computing on it. So, yeah, look for, for uh, Lenovo's. Um, and the T-Series seems to be the really good ones that almost work everything right out of the box with Linux. I yeah, had a, right. I had a ThinkPad, and uh, I can't remember. It was a W-something, and it worked perfectly I didn't have to do anything. All the drivers were in the kernel. It worked perfectly. And that's I was using that when I f uh, was still chief executive minion, and it never caused an issue. So, Yep. Yep, ThinkPads are great. And like you said, the T-Series, I haven't had any experience with the W-Series. The X-Series, which are the lighter Ultrabook yeah. kind of, they, they work pretty well as well. I've had one X-Series, an older model that had some issues with volume control. Uh, and a couple of the specialty buttons that I couldn't get fixed, just couldn't fix. Mm. But that was the only ThinkPad that's ever given me any lick of trouble with with running Linux, and I've used quite a few of them. Well, I even found that, you know, the ThinkPads have that weird little uh, nub uh, mm -hmm. uh, mouse. Yep. And uh, it actually found that, and <laughs> without any problem, I was like, I was pretty impressed. Yeah, yeah. I like that little nub because it lets you... Use the mouse without removing your hands from the keyboard. Yeah, it was kind of handy, but it took some getting used to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's for sure. But once, but once you've gotten used to it, and you get another computer, you know, like my Asus right now, it doesn't have one. And I, every once in a while, I find myself saying, "Man, I could really use that little nub right now." Yeah, I know. That's why I, I call it the nub. I miss it. But yeah, I do too. That's just me. that should be standard. Yeah, I think so.
Anyway, let's get on to our next email, which is from Ken. Ken wrote, as I told you, I ordered a Lenovo T420 i7 from eBay. The computer that I bought is an i7-2620M and runs at 2.7 gigahertz, 8 gigabytes of RAM, 400 gigabyte hard drive, and no operating system. The price with shipping was $250. There you go. That's that's the kind of thing we're talking about. That's sweet. The yeah. The computer was advertised as having a few scratches and has been checked to be operational using Ubuntu and whatever other software. Everything was cleared before shipping. It arrived packed nicely with an AC power cable box. The provider was RecycleTech, a part of Synergy Recycling of Madison, North Carolina. A little north of you, Bill. Yeah, really. I, I ordered it through eBay on Sunday, and it was on my doorstep Wednesday afternoon. When I submitted, That's quick. Yeah. When I submitted Lenovo T420i7 to Google, most ads were from Amazon or Newegg. When I looked at the reviews of the vendors supplying used Lenovo computers on those two sites, I found that they received less than sterling reviews. In addition to the fact that I've had problems with both Amazon and Newegg in recent times, I decided on eBay, where their vendors had great ratings and eBay stands behind the order, where both Amazon and Newegg have not, according to reviews and my own experience. Okay, now that I have it, I installed Linux Mint Mate 17.3. It works great, is much, much faster than my old old Acer laptop, which it replaced. Since I bought it for my ham radio station, I was pleased that Mint Mate repository had all the ham programs up front and center where it is easy to find them. I looked into Linux Elementary, which Charles Tyndale was is using, but decided I would probably be more comfortable with Mint Mate. I have been using mint cinnamon, but wanted to try the mate flavor, thinking that it might be sleeker and faster. So far, this has proven to be true. By the way, I can close the lid and open it so the computer wakes up. As I told you earlier, my old Acer didn't work properly in this respect. You recommended fixes, but after hearing about the Lenovo, I decided to move on to the new used computer. Thanks to you and Charles, Ken. Yeah, good. I should have put that in the uh, Gone Linux segment. Yeah, you know, uh, first off, it's, he's a ham and he didn't leave his call sign, so I can't add that to my list of hams I've met on the show. Well, Ken's responded once or twice before, actually more than once or twice before, oh, okay. so I'm sure you already have it. Okay, so that's smart. <laughs> mm -hmm. And he got a decent computer. Uh, that That's an i7, which is not bad. Not for bad at all. Bucks, yeah. you know, the more, most you'd have to do is throw in a little bit more memory, maybe a couple of years from now, and it'd still be good. Yeah, absolutely. And at two point seven gigahertz, I don't think you can get much faster than that on many processors. Yeah, these yeah, days it's, it's for two hundred fifty bucks anyway. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. That's awesome. No, that's great. Yeah. Our our next email comes from. Uh, Okay, before I read this, guys, I'm sorry if I murder your names, or <laughs> I'm from the South, and I can mess up any names. That is just a disclaimer. But anyway, <laughs> now that we've got that out of the way, our next email comes from Amar, and he writes, Hi, guys. I am the creator and host of two podcasts, My Kitab, a book of publishing in India, and Digital Powwow with Karuba and Amar, digital media, social media. The reason I thought of reaching out to you is I use a nine-year-old Dell Latitude D520 for the show recording editing etc I started out with Linux Lite then moved to Vector Linux and after a lot of research and development <laughs> finally settled down on Linux Mint Rosa I plan to use a setup for audiobook narration starting this week I listened to your episode on Linux on ThinkPads and thought that your listeners might be interested in listening to how I use my setup for running my business. I can talk about costs, setup time, do's and don'ts, and I spent way too much time experimenting with multiple distros, etc. I would be happy to write a guest post or appear on the show 
one of your future podcast episodes. If you'd like to check out how I sound, you can go and listen to the first two or three minutes of any episode. Thanks, and also would like to add that you have a new subscriber for your show regardless. Thanks, Amar. Okay, so we'll include a link to Amar's show in the show notes, and thanks for that. Yeah, I'm going to have to go listen to see <laughs> listen to his podcast now and see how he pronounces that. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm sure I murdered him. I'm so sorry, Amar. <laughs> you just got to understand. <laughs> if, it's, if it's more than Sam, Bob, or Bill, I'm in trouble. <laughs> yeah, well. Hey, yeah. you're not supposed to agree. Yeah, okay. Hey, Bill. <laughs> <laughs> Don't be so hard on yourself. <laughs> Is that <Okay>. better? <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Our next email is from George. So I'm on the road yesterday in queue episodes 294 and 295. Mind, I'm in the car. So in 294 listener feedback, the acronym PAE flies by at 70 miles per hour. Not a big deal, of course, because I actually file it away and look it up because as a bit of zonkery, it is one that I just don't carry in my head. And it is necessary to really grok that particular Q&A, and unlike many geekeries, I am not getting it from context. As soon as I look up what PAE stands for, my consciousness expanded. What PAE made me stop and think about is how rarely you don't communicate 100% of what needs saying without either talking down or maybe my four gigabytes is full of terminology using cryptic tech terms or tech terms that aren't part of my vocabulary. In episode 295, Linux on ThinkPads, even though I had downloaded the episode, I must have driven out of range, maybe into the twilight zone. I clicked the going Linux link to PC World, then Googled up the T420 on Lenovo's own site. Did Rod Sterling drive me far off the road. I had a 15-inch RMB Pro purchased new, quad-core i7, discrete graphics, 16 gigabytes of RAM, 512 gigabytes SSD, Thunderbolt, USB 3. I didn't use it much. It was very heavy, and I gave it to my son-in-law as I confirmed I would be able to use Linux and Linux apps to do everything I needed. But in listening to Charles Tyndall compare the T420 to the MB Pro, ah, MacBook Pro, that's what it is, um, without going back to confirm, didn't he keep saying the two devices had feature parity? I don't find on Leno the Lenovo site that the T420 offers a quad-core processor or USB 3. For most purposes, I think an Intel dual-only chip is fast enough, though for video and photo editing, there are Mac Windows programs that use as many cores as they can access. I don't know about Linux. What I did miss most is USB 3 with its significant speed advantage over USB 2. It's so fast, a Mac booting from a, a drive cloned into USB 3 SSD blows the doors off of any internal spinner. Again, in the PC World and Lenovo sites, the only reference I found was on PC World, which said the computer has four USB 2.0 ports, an eSATA, but no USB 3. Final comment. What went flying by was a reference to the online seller where Charles bought his, and I didn't find that as a link in the show notes. Hope you don't view this email as negative. It's not so intended. And hope Bill gets back in action. Give him my best. Well, thanks for the feedback, especially about the tech terms. We try to define them as often as possible. Uh, we've talked about PA a couple of times, and we probably just skipped over that definition thinking that we'd already talked about it enough. Uh, I guess it's never enough, especially since we have new users from time to time. And on the ThinkPad versus the MacBook Pro, well, uh, Charles did talk about feature parity, and I know the two computers are not spec for spec the same. 
I think what he was meaning was that for his purposes, the features that he was looking for, the MacBook Pro and the ThinkPad T420 have feature parity from that perspective. Uh, he did admit that the speed wasn't the same. He didn't specifically bring out the USB 3 as one of the things, I, as far as I remember, maybe he did, uh, as one of the things that wasn't included. Um, and on the ThinkPads, you can get additional RAM to bring it up to the same specs as the MacBook Pro you're, you're talking about. So, yeah, I think the, the main point is that, uh, you know, even though it's not quad core, the speed of the processor is about the same. The amount of RAM you can get is about the same. The performance you can get is about the same. And for a lot less money, it's definitely a much better bargain than a MacBook Pro. Now, I can see arguments on both sides mm -hmm. of this. I see what he's saying. He's like, hey, the MacBook Pro has all these advanced features, and the, the ThinkPad T420 doesn't have, you know, the USB 3. It doesn't have that SSD. Um, and he's right on those points. But I want to point out just a couple items. Uh, the MacBook Pro is uses proprietary everything mm -hmm. so if you need more uh, uh, space on your hard drive you're out of luck because it's built in on this little non-standard board um, and USB 3 I like it it's nice and so he's he definitely got a point there now you can take the Lenovo uh, T420 and you can put more RAM in it and mm -hmm. you can buy an aftermarket SSD Yes. And bring it up fairly close. Now, the processor, he's got another point there. Not all processors, are, you know, they might be dual-core, quad-core. But if you get anything fairly modern and within that last year, year and a half, two years, if it's a Core i3, 5, or 7, it's at least going to have, I would say, a, a two to four cores. Mm -hmm. Um my machine has uh, eight cores. It just, you know, as they get more and more, there's more cores. The interesting thing about that, and I want to just kind of make this point, you can have as many cores as you want, but if the software can't take advantage of it, it's not going to be any faster than a non-multi-core processor. Right, right. And I think, you know, George mentioned that on Windows and Mac, that there are some programs that make use of multiple cores and some programs that don't. And mm -hmm. the same thing is true on Linux. Yeah, and uh, the last thing is that the PAE, yes, we could probably keep mentioning it, but if you really think about it, PAE is not that big of a thing anymore. There's not uh, that's that, true. Yeah. There's not many systems left. I'm sure there's a good amount, but as far as, you know, mainstream computers even you know older computers they're all 64-bit now so PAE mm -hmm. isn't needed but I mean, it's good that it's still there I mean because but I have old computers and uh, I have one that's five years old and it's a 64 64-bit uh, computer I actually have a, a nine-year-old computer and it's 64-bit yeah. now it's <laughs> it's nothing spectacular but right. it, but still you know 32-bit has has been being phased out for a while and right. so while PAE is handy and it helps it's really not that relevant anymore but that's just me so I, 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 I kind of lean toward your argument Larry but I see what George is coming from too so and as far as negativity hey I like anytime they come and they, they find that we've made an error because we never make errors or we say something that's inflammatory, which we've never done. Uh huh. Never. Mm -mm. No. So you know, we like good and bad, and you know, it keeps us on our toes. So George, anytime you have anything, send it to us. And yep. uh, and thanks for writing. I mean, I appreciate you taking the time and and telling us. Yeah, I'd rather have the feedback uh, and take the risk that it it might come across a little negative than not have the feedback at all. So again, thanks, George. <laughs> thanks again, George. Okay, our next email comes from Martin, and it's the abbreviated version. Yeah, he wrote a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Martin likes to write. We have gotten from him, and sometimes we have to cut a little bit out. But this is the abbreviated version. We love you, Martin. He goes, hello. 
He said, I was quite disappointed by the last episode. There is no question that some ThinkPads are great computers, but they have their problems too. Comparing a ThinkPad from 2012 to a MacBook Pro was quite plump in my opinion. You could have compared them quite nicely price-wise and performance-wise, laying out in what cases one would need that or not. And a little less tablo- tabloidy? Tablo- yeah, like tabloidy? In, the, in the tabloid magazine. Oh, and, le- yeah, and a little yeah, less yeah. tabloidy. Okay. Yeah. Uh, don't get me wrong. I am not a Apple fanboy. I just switched from my 2008 MacBook Pro to a Clevo barebone based no-name netbook because it was a better deal. Usually, I enjoy listening to your podcast. This episode, not so much. Maybe I'm still too much in comparing Apple's and other laptops. I just was really annoyed by the badly investigated comparisons that were all over the place. All the best, Martin. Then Martin wrote back and apologized for his tone. (laughs) I listened to the episode again, and I just wasn't the audience for that episode. I also realized that you tried to get the comparison a bit more specific, but the interview did not evolve in that way. I was probably expecting something more general from the title, and was just a bit too much into specific comparison uh, from my research for a new laptop. Thank you for making this podcast. I learn something new every episode and discover some New useful tool. Keep up the good work. All the best, Martin. Hmm. Okay. Again, Martin, don't worry too much about the tone. We appreciate the feedback, and everyone's entitled to their opinion, even when they're wrong. No. <laughs> Martin, right. notice that I did not say anything. <laughs> That's all Larry. So, no, but serious, Martin, I see what you say. Uh, I don't think we were trying to compare a 2012 ThinkPad to a MacBook Pro. But, you know, even if you took a brand new ThinkPad that's, uh, and compared it to a MacBook Pro with, with similar specs, the ThinkPad's always going to be cheaper. Yep, I think you're right. It's just, I've done it. I've actually looked. And as a person who owns a Mac, who owns, uh, you know, a, uh, a laptop, when I was buying this laptop, I was looking at Macs too. And I looked at the MacBook Pro and I could not get half the machine I have for the same money. Mm-hmm. It was about $600 more. Yeah. So um, that being said, hey, we don't mind your tone. I, I like it when Larry gets yelled at. <laughs> but that's just me. So Moving uh, on. Was, 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 was that out loud? Mo- um, no, mo- seriously, moving Martin, on. We appreciate that. Thanks for letting us know. And hey, let us know if uh, Larry's ever wrong again. Perfect. So let's go on to Tony's email. Hi, Larry. I need to do a backup of Linux Mint 17.2 Raffaella Cinnamon Edition. But I'm dumb when it comes to backing up. Do you have a podcast on how to do it step by step? I would like to do it on a blank CD or DVD because I have tons of those. Please tell me which one to use. Oh, you can also tell me how to back up using a tiny flash drive, a PNY 32 gigabyte. Any help will be greatly appreciated. Regards, Tony. Can I do it? Can I do it? Yeah, you can do it. I think we have had an episode on uh, yep. backups. Um, I don't know which one. <laughs> We've done so many. But uh, see if I'm right, Larry. If you're going to back up 17.2 and you just go, you just want to have backup of your, your documents and your data and stuff like that, mm-hmm. you can uh, copy that folder to the drive. Then if it dies all you have to do is reinstall it and then put your your home directory back Mm -hmm. and that should keep all your settings and stuff like that isn't it am i right yeah yeah that that would work fine if you have a separate drive uh tony was saying that he wants to use his cds or dvds and he uh, is looking for a way to do this with um, maybe a flash drive as well and yeah the flash drive you could use like you would use an external uh, hard drive and you just drag the folders over to it and back them up there uh, if you want a full image of your computer's hard drives you can use a tool like clonezilla 
but if you're just interested in backing up the data for backup protection and backing up your list of software, Linux Mint comes with a, a backup tool built in. And we have a link to a tutorial from the Linux Mint community site on how to use that. It's pretty simple. And you can back up to your uh, thumb drive without any problem at all. If you want to back up to a CD or a DVD, uh, you're probably just going to be backing up data as, as opposed to making an image of your hard drive. Uh, and we have uh, a link to how to use Brasero, which is uh, a CD DVD burning utility that's built into Linux Mint and Ubuntu Mate and various other Linux distributions, it's pretty popular. And that tutorial will give you step-by-steps on how to back up your data using uh, CDs and DVDs, and especially since you have lots of them. One thing to remember about CDs and DVDs, they don't last forever. Uh, you know, having them sit on a shelf, especially exposed to sunlight and things like that, they can degrade and you may not be able to get all your stuff back. Now, if they're in a in a drawer somewhere, you know, well protected and humidity uh, controlled, uh, yeah, they should last for quite a long time, but still not forever. Well, you can always do what I do is just download the file and then save it to a, a, a your online storage in case something happens to it. There you go. But that's just me. Hey. But uh, yeah, um, I think that'd be the easiest. You just want to save your data. You don't really want to save the whole operating system. No. I mean, that's. I mean, I would not. I mean, I, but then again, I'm lazy, so. Yeah, in, in the event of a disaster, you know, you may need it right away. But chances are, you're probably not going to need that backup until you want to change distributions and you want to start fresh with a fresh install so in that case you're going to want just the data anyway okay first off let's see reinstalling linux takes maybe 15 minutes <laughs> and then copying it from a usb drive flash drive back to your home directory takes another five minutes so that's pretty instantaneous <laughs> You must not have a lot of videos and audio files and podcasts and stuff recorded to your hard drive if it takes only five minutes. But anyway. <laughs> oh, 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 Well, no, I'm smart. I don't keep everything on my drive. I mean, ah, there you go. Okay, well, let me let me rephrase that. Uh, I use something different. I have two hard drives on my machine. Aha. Uh -huh. One is the storage drive. So once I'm done with it, I put it over on a storage drive and take it off my main drive. Perfect. So if I ever do need to access it, it's there. Hard drive space is cheap. I mean, I've yep. got two, I've got a, a terabyte backup drive, and you know, I've got videos and podcasts and everything, and I hadn't used, you know, one third of it. So, you know, I cheat, but that's just me. Yeah. Now, we got another one from Andy, and he sent us a note on Google Plus, and he writes, in reference to Going Linux 296, Dominic and his brother printer, another possible solution for him. If he keeps a Windows machine around, is to hook up the printer to the Windows box and add the printer to the Google Cloud Print. Print to the printer via Cloud Print, perhaps? Hmm. But he'd have to be able to print via Chrome, I think. Not helpful if he's trying to print directly from GIMP, I suppose. Yeah, so I wrote back to, to Randy and... I don't know whether Brother has the same sorts of utilities that HP has for their printers, and if but if they do, uh, HP's site allows you to set up cloud print on any cloud print capable printer, whether you're on Linux or Windows. So you really don't wouldn't have to use the Windows computer to do that. Maybe you would on Brother. I don't know, but for those of you with HP uh, computers and want to do a similar sort of thing. Uh, the ePrint site is um, hpconnected.com. lets you set that up, and we'll have a link to that in the show notes as well. Don't didn't find anything on Brother, but maybe they've got it. Maybe it's in their documentation when you buy the printer. I don't know, but uh, yeah, that's one way to go. I've had some good luck with with ePrint on computers, the, especially Chromebooks, you really don't need the Chrome operating system to set up uh, a cloud printing printer. You definitely do need something like that for a Chromebook since you typically can't uh, plug in a printer directly. Uh, they do have some USB ports, but if you're looking for a wireless printer, 
cloud print's the best way to go on a Chromebook. And you can use that similarly on a Linux computer without having to go back to a Windows machine to set it up for at least the HP printers. Maybe the brothers are different. I don't know. Yeah. Okay, our last email is from Steve. Steve wrote, Hi guys, I hear Windows 10 will get a real bash shell soon, like a reverse wine. How would this affect your view of the Windows OS? Would love to hear your thoughts on this. Have you heard about this, Bill? I have. Yeah, what do you think? Uh, disclaimer, I do run Windows 10, but I only use it for one reason and one reason only. I play games on it I can't get running on Linux. <laughs> Okay. That that is the only, and I might do some light surfing, maybe some uh, uh, YouTube videos, but other than that, I really don't uh, use it for more than those specific functions. Uh, and the reasons are, uh, I'm kind of a kind of weird when it comes to uh, how much information it's being reported back to Microsoft. You know, they, they have the ability, they've even stated they have the ability to take apps off. They can force upgrades and stuff if you're not on Windows 10. So I just don't find that very comforting. <laughs> so when they say, hey, we're going to add Bash, you know, my thing is, if I want to Bash, I'm just going to reboot into my Linux and have a real Bash and not worry about what it does or doesn't do because I know it works. Uh... I'm just me. Uh, I prefer to stay as as pure as I can. I'm, and you know, that's not a good word, but I, I'm sure it's going to be great, and you know, be able to do stuff. But you know, you got to ask yourself, why are they finally doing this? I mean, Microsoft called Linux a cancer, and now they seem to be embracing it every time I turn around. So my my thing is. Uh, Microsoft, I, I don't really trust you any farther. I can throw you. So I, I'll just keep my Linux bash, and, uh, and I'm glad that you got it. Maybe it'll be useful to some people. But for me, I'm not touching it with a 10-foot pole. But that's just me. <laughs> yeah, it's just you. Well, your uh, um, your experiences may vary. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> this, wait a minute. Let me, let, me, let me just put this disclaimer. Going Linux does not <laughs> endorse Bill's opinion. <laughs> Okay, my opinion or mine only. Okay, well, okay. there. Yeah, so fair enough. Um, I think it's really cute that the Windows folks are trying to get into the Linux game in whatever way they can. And by adding a bash cell, shell to Windows 10, that's really great. Um, I'm not sure how useful that's going to be to the average Windows 10 user, but for those people who are running servers and are used to running Linux and have to use Windows 10 for some reason, having a bash shell there that they can issue commands from is probably going to be useful for them. But for the average computer user, yeah. But here's my, here's my thought. You remember the comment, Linux is a cancer. Oh yeah. Yeah. Okay. Absolutely. So my, my thoughts on this is if it's such a cancer, why are you still playing with it? Is it perhaps that you realize that you can't win in this situation or, uh, you know, it's, I, I'm, I'm looking and I try to keep an eye on it. You know, Linux, yeah, it's a very small portion of the operating system market. But what's interesting is that it's growing slowly, but it really, kicks butt in a lot of these server applications and and you know and these companies that want internal tools that were made specifically for them and they just don't want to pay those humongous licensing fees that microsoft makes their money on now i'm not anti-microsoft i'm just saying you know they called it a cancer and now they're playing nice even the mac os is growing uh, in it's part of the operating system market too. Now I'm not saying Windows going away; they still hold the biggest share. But I, I wonder if they're just kind of worried that if they don't start adding these features from other operating systems, that they're going to become irrelevant as sooner or later. Yeah, and to be fair to Microsoft, though, the folks that were responsible for that cancer comment are no longer with the company. Uh, I think he is now uh, managing some sports ball team somewhere. He's a multi-billionaire, so, you know, poor guy. Yeah, I know. Poor guy. But uh, no, they, Microsoft is, is making a lot of efforts to uh, accept that Linux has certainly taken over from 
windows and you know from even uh, older unix on many um web servers out there and, and even corporate servers and they really i think have come to the realization that they've lost that battle and are beginning to figure out that they need to get on board and so my prediction is that the next iteration of uh, windows will run on a linux kernel yeah well the Linux, you know if you think about it uh, every one of those uh, server licenses they lose is a lot of money <laughs> Yes, absolutely. <laughs> so, you know, it's like, uh, you know, you start losing those by, you know, 100, 200,000 or whatever. That starts to, you start to see the difference real quick. Yep, yep, absolutely. Because you, you, know, you can't push upgrades, you can't push for software updates, you know, client updates. I mean, because when you update a server, a lot of times you have to update software on the computers uh, to, to get all the f newest features. So I can, I can see that what they're trying to do. Mm -hmm. I just, I just think it's kind of hilarious. Uh, and then again, please, Microsoft, don't don't sue me because I'm poor. But um, I, I just think it's they're not doing it out of the kindness of heart. They're doing it because they realize that hmm, if we don't do something soon, this might be something we can't come back from. Yep, yep, that's exactly my assessment as well. Is that they've they've realized they've lost that battle, and they're trying to do something to ensure their longevity in the marketplace. I sound like a Linux uh, a zealot. Sorry, guy. Well, I think you are. What's your point? Okay, don't make me send my minions out. No, seriously. I, I think there's a place for all operating systems, um, whether you want to use it or not. I like to keep keep my hands in all of them just to see what's going on. But that one just, uh, just smells of, not desperation, but uh, yeah, it does smell a little bit of desperation. Right, we, let's see what we can do to keep ourselves relevant and that's yep. just that's just me hey if i didn't play games i wouldn't even have windows 10 so <laughs> yeah so we'll see what happens and uh we'll keep our eye on it as they say <laughs> yeah we'll, we, we got our staff looking after it yeah yeah our, our vast minions which means me bill i think that's it for our episode this time and our next episode will be an interesting one it's an interview with Kendall Clark of the Sonar Project. Until then, you can go to our website at goinglinks.com for articles and show notes, as well as links to download and subscribe. We are the website for computer users who just want to use Linux to get things done. If you'd like, you can participate directly with our friendly and helpful community members by joining the discussion in our Going Links podcast Google Plus community. Until next time, thanks for listening. 73. music provided by Mark Blasco at podcastthemes.com. <laughs>